Hey everyone, how we doing? Um, looks to be like we're live now. There we are. Um, well, we'll take a moment and see a few people drop in. I know we're a little bit later than we are normally. Uh, I think usually our shows ended half an hour ago. Mm -hmm. um, but in the meantime, while we're waiting, um, I'll introduce our guest. We've got uh, J.M. Brandt, uh, one of the writers that worked on Swamp Dogs. So um, yeah, why don't you give us a, a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I am a, an Angelino, a, a Los Angeles native. I've been writing professionally for, boy, almost a decade now, uh, on and off um, as a freelance writer. And Swamp Dogs is my first uh, comic book and uh, just my second published work of fiction. Right. Um, do you want to mention where else you write? Uh, I, I know where else you write. And, and Tyler <laughs> told me that well, that's kind of a dirty word in that, but I didn't think it was a dirty word because it's a well-known place. So if you don't mention it, I will. So. Oh, yeah. No, no, of course. Uh, yeah, no, I uh, formerly, uh, one of the main websites that I wrote for was uh, ScreenRant.com, uh, which is um, an entertainment website of the highest order uh but yeah, yeah. you know in addition to news writing they also have uh listicles which um yeah you know in a lot of ways a uh, clickbait is a dirty word but uh <laughs> i found it a, a lot of fun to write and uh yeah. i'm very informative and there's a reason that they're really popular which is uh they they might be a little bit of like an attention whore sort of a, a way of uh getting getting people to click but um they they can also if they're well written and uh well researched uh be really informative and really entertaining to read so yeah I um I, I i did my best <laughs> i did my best i i made it to a, a wikipedia article as a, a cited reference at one point uh for a, a uh, the show Legion. So uh, as far as I know, I'm still on the Wikipedia entry for Legion just because of my writing about the show. And um, yeah, it's it's fun and, and it's not something I'm ashamed of. No, why would you be? You got paid for something and it brought enjoyment to people. So <clears throat> hey, it counts. Yeah, yeah. And my, my writing on The Walking Dead got over 2 million views, too, which is pretty cool. Oh, wow. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. What, one article, so. Hey, that's why we want you on the show, to, to bring attention to, to us as well, too, because, uh, like you said, you, you are, uh, you know, this is your first writing of a comic book, but you've been working on this for, for a decade, and, and again, throughout the, the Hollywood entertainment industry, so why don't we, we start talking about the book, because... Uh, sure. We ourselves are invested in it because uh, it was it's it's kind of a tie, which is our first cover. You no, know? they both kind of came out within like the you no know, a, a few days of each other. One was yeah. supposed oh, to be one. Let's just call it my book. I do. We'll we just call, call it, it my book. Most of the time we do, but yeah, um, okay. yeah. So uh, go get it's from Black Caravan, which is a uh, imprint of Scout. So you you can tackle the question any way you want. If you want to just do about sure. the story first, or if you want to talk about how it's like to work with the imprint of Black Scout, but uh it, dealer's choice go for it okay yeah sure well um let's see the book is about a young lesbian couple Iona and violet uh and a goofy stoner metal band called the grunch versus voodoo powered undead confederate soldiers mm -hmm. um 
the title Swamp Dogs refers to the undead soldiers, which are liches and not zombies. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know that they look like zombies in first issue, but they get weird after that. Um, it's an old school grindhouse horror movie spread out across five issues. And um, the, there is there is the possibility of a sixth issue being added. Oh, and so um, that, that's our first scoop of the night. I, I know. Oh, like yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, so um, now it, it's yeah, gone from a five-issue series first. to a six-issue series. Yeah, we were talking about it just because uh, we're basically we're uh, just like a grindhouse movie, a very kind of slow burn. Um, you know, we're we're teasing horror. We have horrific images. We have moments of it, but it hasn't been out and out uh, a gore fest yet. Uh, with the first issue and even with the second issue, um, it's a lot of character development because I just like the idea of developing characters before uh, hacking them to pieces. Right. And um, so, uh, yeah, so uh, we're talking about adding a sixth issue just so it's not uh, a complete bloodbath for two issues straight with without, uh, I, you know, there's still character development and story in it, but just, a, yeah. you know, evening it out a little bit more. Yeah, I know I've enjoyed the first issue so far. Uh, no, I've been, you. I'm, you know, kind of biting at the, you know, or chomping at the bit there to get to the second issue, which I know has been a little bit of an extended uh, wait between the two. Uh, I believe that's it's in mid-January now for that, right? I believe is it January yeah. 10th, 13th? Yeah, it's ja like January 19th is the 19th, street date for yeah, it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it, that's, that's actually something that's part of the... Um, scout and black caravan uh, uh ethos is uh with every book they delayed the second issue by an extra month uh so that way you can pre-order through diamond and lunar at the same time as picking up the first issue you know oh. basically uh, they, their thinking is and and i agree with this uh wholeheartedly um their thinking on the matter is that why would somebody go ahead and pre-order their issue two for a series that is brand new uh, especially for a brand new creator without really having read the first issue and normally that's how books work is you have to get in on the second issue before the first one is even released, um, which, which, you know, works for the big boys. It works for the Marvels and DCs and, you know, the known quantities, but with something like Swamp Dogs, um, the intrigue will bring people into the first issue, but realistically it's the story and it's the artwork and it's the heart that's going to keep people going with uh, issue two and beyond. That, that's totally true. And, and buying, like not just buying, but from a customer point or from mm -hmm. uh, somebody who likes to uh, review independent books a lot like we do, uh, that having that extra month in there gives you time to read it and then you know, gives you a chance to you know, order that second one or buy that second one without being sold right. out and having to pay you know, exuberant second market prices. Because nowadays yeah. that happens so much. Yeah, it's it's very true. Um, yeah, and, and you... you Definitely want to, uh, with books that don't do the the one month delay, uh, you don't want to miss out. And and honestly, and I've I've spoken to a few different uh, reviewers and podcasters that have this same thing. 
don't give up after the first issue. And I'm, I'm not assuming that people are giving up on my book after one issue because I'm pretty sure everybody's going to be hooked. But by the same token, um, I think it's just fair with every book to give it, you know, three or four issues to, to really get it going. Because um, as a storyteller, I can tell you it is not easy to get everything out in 20 to 24 pages. You know, it's, right. um, it's a very, very... Um, not artificially constrained, but I, I guess at this point a little bit artificially constrained medium. Uh, that way, mm -hmm. you know, it's 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 like um, it's like doing an obstacle course, right? Like you're you're giving yourself this like twenty page limit where there has to be a soft ending at the end of each issue to make it seem like a complete story in and of itself, but continue the main story and keep people engaged uh, in in order to get to the next issue. So. Um, it's a it's a high degree of difficulty sort of writing, right? And and I know with this, well, hold hold on before we start uh, the next bit there. Okay, uh, we're sure. gonna restart the call again, just okay. because your sound is coming through super clear, but you did freeze up. Okay. <laughs> okay, but you but yeah, you, your picture wasn't that bad of a picture though. No, <laughs> I, I left it. I left it while we had that last. Oh, question. okay. It I wasn't like it. mid blink. No, no, it wasn't. Are you no, you just look like you're giving a death stare. Oh, <laughs> so okay. We'll call you back in I'll, two seconds. <laughs> All right. I'll do that when we get back on, too. Okay. Awesome. All right. Now you're there moving we. again. Yeah. That, I can tell that one's the pixels are dancing around. <laughs> there you go. Um, okay. Yeah. And usually it's us having tech issues, but uh, as you are saying before, today you're having a bit of... Uh, issues with your with your yeah yeah I, I was actually on the phone with the cable company earlier today and apparently there's uh they've just been plagued by several uh, network issues i think part of the problem is that's, it was raining down our exact story too yeah. and uh uh it never rains in los angeles and so probably even the people that normally uh are going into work instead of working from home or working from home and it's just a strain on the, the oh, yeah. work or something Okay. So ho hopefully so, it's better. I'm not frozen anymore. No, you're okay. no, no, everything is no. good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, what I was going to continue on with my question is, uh, so again, we we know this is five, six issues now. What? And I know that uh, you have intentions to expand this as a universe. This is kind of what we want to turn it into, like a or we. Sorry, you want to turn it into like a a horror anthology universe and stuff. Do do you have some uh, other no things lined up in the works for us already because I have seen some some rumors online in a, a couple of interviews and stuff and that you one of them might be called War Pigs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not exactly shy about it, but uh, I I don't want to reveal too much. Uh, but we have plans for actually three ongoing series that spin out of this. Uh, two of them have been plotted out pretty pretty well right now. Um, basically the. Uh, the events of uh, House of Crows introduces the world to the Swamp Dogs and introduces the Swamp Dogs to the world, as it were. And um, nothing is ever the same after that. And so we go near future after the events that happen in uh, House of Crows, and we have something called Pets Unleashed. And I do have to stay mum on why it's called that. Uh, you will have a better idea after issue four. <laughs> and... Um, Oh, okay. So uh, that that is a, a near future event. Uh, basically, the world is. Um, am I allowed to swear here? 
Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. The world is fucked when the swamp ducks come. Uh, like <laughs> yeah, basically, um, it, it's it's a disaster, uh, for everybody. And so, um, basically, what happens after the swamp ducks are unleashed in Pets Unleashed, um, it's the apocalypse. Uh, basically is is what happens with pets unleashed and then uh, we go into the third ongoing uh, series which uh, we want to write at the same time as pets unleashed and that is uh, slightly further in the future and it is a post-apocalyptic book called war pigs okay yeah awesome yeah basically Uh, I, i just like showing sort of the repercussions of it it's um I, I guess I, I owe it to Robert Kirkman and his idea of like uh, with The Walking Dead, what if, you know, what happens after the zombie movie ends? Uh, and, yeah. and that's that's kind of how I'm viewing uh, the Swamp Dogs is, you know, well, what are the ramifications for everything and, and examining well, that's, that? That's perfect. That that leads into the next question, I guess, then yeah. is where where is the idea? Where what's your biggest inspiration for Swamp Dogs? Uh well, you know, the the story actually started out as just a complete adaptation of a, a Spanish horror movie from nineteen seventy-two, uh called Tombs of the Blind Dead, uh, which I actually just appeared not that long ago on a podcast talking about it. So if anybody is interested, and I'll I'll just name drop the podcast. It's called the, yeah, bl- hey, the, the bloody bits horror show and um it's it's a comedy it's a horror comedy podcast uh where they dive really deep into uh every movie that they go over and so it was almost like scene by scene where we're talking about it and going through it and deconstructing it and um so originally it started out as an ad- adaptation of that which is um crusaders come back from the crusade uh worshiping satan and uh on a quest for immortality and uh in the movie uh they get overthrown and executed and uh hung on a tree until crows peck their eyes out and so when they're resurrected they're blind and they hunt by sound and so uh originally i just wanted to update that story and move the crusaders into the civil war and move spain and portugal into uh hurricane katrina ravaged uh, louisiana. louisiana so and, and i guess that's why they respond to the music right uh yeah well yeah i mean that 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 was sort of originally the idea um it took on a life of its own especially when uh co-writer uh theo and i met and uh, we decided that we didn't want to do an adaptation. We decided that um, there are some there are some spinal remnants from from the movie uh, that that we're using, but uh, realistically, it's it's its own thing. And so um, the the swamp dogs are not blind. Uh, they're they're actually not hunting by sound or anything. They are. Uh, okay. mean and cruel and uh, just sadistic and and that's sort of their purpose and uh, right. what so happens the in... band was just sorry the band with that which just was one aspect of the the ritual that brings them to life right because you got you got that part you got the the making out of the chicks and then you got the 
the the the one bum that happens to you know, bleed on a, on a gravestone, right? right? And, and the combination of all three, you know, kind of summons them. So yeah, yeah, actually, that's that's a really interesting interpretation, and I've I've never heard anybody sort of like make that connection before. Um, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Because so... I thought I I that's what I thought that you had meant by doing all that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, no, no. Actually, um, oh. it, it was just sort of um. Uh, for those of you who haven't read the first issue, I'm sorry because we're going to talk first issue here. Uh, but you should we buy it. it. You we, should we, buy it anyways, yeah. Uh, yeah. because I, I guarantee that the writing is a lot more entertaining than me talking about it. And uh, and and also, <laughs> there's pictures of uh, attractive women and uh, undead, so you're gonna there like is. it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so uh, yeah, we, uh, basically, we were just um, setting the stage for it to be Halloween, and we wanted to introduce um, competing storylines that would sort of um, combine at a later time. And so the Halloween party where Ayana and Violet meet. And uh, the the music is playing is just simply a Halloween party. They're having fun, right. and 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 really, what we do is we transition, showing the full moon at the party uh, after they're done having sex, and just showing that same full moon to indicate that it's the same night, um, but at the titular House of Crows, and that's where the Drifter uh, accidentally by himself resurrects uh, the the uh, swamp dogs. See, see, I thought, and, and again, you mentioned the full moon. I thought it was like the random chance that you have the full moon, you have the the the, the drifter that bleeds on the the tombstone, kind of starting it all up. Mm -hmm. You got the music that's kind of like a ritual thing going on, and the girls making out too, all at the same time. So I kind of thought it all was like one of those random things, you know, the perfect storm of events to 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 call these things to life. So, oh. Um, I guess I'm. I guess I'm a little more creative than I thought. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I, I think uh, we all have that spark within us, and uh, yeah, that's that's like really, really interesting. And I mean, wh what's really funny about it is, like, even though it's not what we envisioned, it it still somehow maintains that same sort of a basic basic uh, kernel of truth that that we were trying to get at, which is just a series of random accidents is what uh, invokes the last bits of the resurrection process. Right. And so, uh, yeah, with, um, you know, it's actually, it's an uh, um, homage to old school horror movies in that it's sort of this nameless drifter that is, is sort of the spark plug for uh, all this uh, stuff happening. Uh, one of my favorite horror movies is return of the living dead, which is uh, from uh, uh, 1985, but also a very music-heavy um, uh, zombie film, and uh, yeah. there, there basically is just a, a random set of circumstances perpetuated by two hapless fools that uh, brings the dead back to life. Um, and I, I was really when when we plotted out that that introductory scene to the Swamp Dogs, um, I was thinking of the movie Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which itself oh, yeah, is yeah, a yeah. tribute to the '50s and '60s uh, sci-fi horror movies like The Blob. And uh, sure. you know, again, it, it was like an old guy with a dog, and he just kind of randomly stumbles on uh, the Killer Clowns in their circus tent spaceship and. Uh, that's that's when uh, carnage uh, begins. So, yeah. uh, the the series is very I much rooted it. in like a uh, horror movie tributes. Yeah, I definitely recognize that part now that you mentioned it. <laughs> I I love hearing how many different influences and how many little tributes there are here and there to 
such like pulp classics like stuff like killer clowns from space like for sure how often do people you know have have that as uh, a part of their work or often does someone reference that so yeah. that that's awesome thank yeah. you well as you see the series continue you'll see not just like tributes to movies uh in in sort of a action or setting or anything but uh the characters actually begin to reference movies themselves and characters and and everything else you know they live in a world in which horror exists and um you know part of that is um a theo and i both have like a very heavy background in horror and cult films uh he actually has a degree in cult films which is crazy and uh then i in college i took several courses about horror films and film adaptation and um, all, all kinds of interesting stuff. I, I was actually even on track to teach a course in the philosophical implications of horror films. Like I got a grant, oh, wow. I got a grant from my uh, university and everything to, to begin to teach that. So um, yeah, we, we have that academic background, but we're also just devotees of the genre. And uh, like I was saying on uh, the panel at LA comic-con uh just just this past weekend um i don't believe that anything's truly original anymore um right that that we just live in sort of age where the the framework of everything that it is that we want to do creatively has already been done uh and so we're just sort of building off the backs and shoulders of giants and and so um why not let your uh, influences bleed through a little bit you know, it's it's originality is just being able to blend it in a way that seems creative and unique. Well, I agree because people say that you know comic books and stuff like that is just the new way of telling stories and stuff, and like um, that's wrong when the way I look at it because comic books are just you know the modern ways of uh, mythology that they've been telling for thousands and thousands of years, whether it's yeah. the Greeks or or the Nords, or the caveman, you know? So. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, one of my favorite books of all time is Scott McCloud's Understanding Comics. And uh, it's it's like a very engaging way of sort of uh, figuring out sequential storytelling and sequential art. And uh, he he brings it back to, to the cave paintings as, as sort of like first evidence of sequential art. You know, they, they're yeah, telling stories with sure. pictures. Um, you know, we're, we're all just uh, evolved cavemen, basically. What um, now we, you kind of mentioned, you know, the grindhouse part of the book and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I see the the book as a kind of like a, a dark comedy, kind of a, a Scooby Doo gang, for, you know, grindhouse type of thing. Who who are when you, when you're writing this book and now when you're trying to like you know sell it who is this book geared towards and and it, do you find like by doing stuff like you're doing tonight talking about it, it do you find that more people are drawn to it or is it still the same group and yeah but well, th those are well while you questions. think of the answer for that uh, i'm gonna restart it again okay i'm this frozen time again frozen is a little bit yeah. of a silly face <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, i was gonna leave it but yeah your yeah. mouth is half open oh okay we'll give you a second all right okay. sure all right. Uh, I think next time I'll just leave it. Hopefully it's a better face. Okay. Yeah. And if you have to call back, I'll just like, I'll put on a mask first or something. And that way you don't have to worry about my, my face being frozen in a way. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, in, in answer to your question, Nathan, um, yeah. basically the book is not for everybody. 
Like, um, I wish it was. I wish that, you know, I started out with something that was super marketable uh, to, to a general audience. But um, it really isn't. It's a mature story. It's a, a story that, you know, uh, really honors its sort of like old school horror movie roots. So it, it is it is for fans of horror. It's for fans of black comedies, like you mentioned. Um, it's for fans of stoner comedies or or sort of those like dumb comedies. Like if you like super bad, you're going to enjoy this. If you like Kevin Smith movies, you're going to enjoy this. Um, you know, maybe not the blood and guts part, but the rest of it, definitely. Uh, and uh, I, I think there's enough humor in it where you're going to forgive the blood and guts part, even if that's not your cup of tea. Um, and then um, I would say it's for fans of heavy music. Uh, you know, we definitely sort of have like a heavy metal vein going through the entire thing, not just um, the Black Sabbath lyrics in the first issue, but, uh, you know, main characters uh, that have that sort of Scooby-Doo vibe that you were talking about um, are, are a metal band. And so you have that sort of a dynamic and those kinds of personalities there. And um, really just the imagery that that we present throughout the course of the book is uh, very much rooted in heavy metal. Um, and then, uh, honestly, because we have Cuber Ball, who's immensely talented uh, as an artist, it's for lovers of uh, beautifully drawn women, too. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, exploitation films and horror films were not shy about being a little on the lascivious side. And um, we're not ignoring that either. Um, you know, granted, we we give these people a personality. These women have a soul. They have uh, an interesting and complex dynamic with one another and the other characters. Um, but we're not above also showing boobs. Uh, right. so. and, and, and these characters, they are strong characters, like the, yes. the two female characters. And, and, and we are we have reference that they're lesbians and you are talking imagery and you can kind of see on cover A is one reference. It has like that old grindhouse kind of cover feel and, and the women are very sexy on it. Right. Has Is that another um, group of people who you know, are being trying to reach uh, in that and have they reached out and responded to you, the LGBTQ plus community? Yeah, actually, uh, recently, both Theo, my co-writer, and I were uh, part of a uh, uh, Rhode Island based, I believe, or yeah, it might have been Rhode Island, or it might have been one of the other states of like the the Northeast Atlantic uh, portion. I get okay, mixed what, up there. What, yeah, we're what, Canadian, whatever so it is. We don't know, right? So, yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, one of those states, North and East, uh, has a uh, LGBTQ uh, plus. A magazine called Opinions, and uh, we were actually just interviewed recently for Opinions magazine about queer representation in comic books. Um, I, I guess we, we were stumbled one of their uh, correspondents at a at a comic con over there, and she fell in love with the book and sort of the imagery and and the fact that we're not we're not sugarcoating the fact that uh, queer people are humans too and have physical desires. Um, you know, you can draw something sexy and and not uh, make it totally male-centric or male gaze. Uh, you know, everybody likes seeing boobs unless you're 
someone that's not into boobs. Uh, and and so, um, oh, you know, cover cover A for number twos even got butts. Yeah. There's something yeah. for everyone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and truth be told, I am a butt man. So I, I tried putting in as much of that as possible. Um, but yeah, it, you know, basically, we don't want to it feels like everybody puts on kid gloves when they try and talk about representation or when they try and talk about like inclusion and realistically, that's not the way the world works. You know, um, people in other communities, people that are part of um, just other, other groups than, than my own uh, speaking as a, white heterosexual male um they're human beings with the same desires that we have and the same complexities and the same uh hopes and dreams and so i don't want to paint uh my queer women leads as these dainty delicate flowers that you know need to be put on a pedestal and and kept there they're they're people and uh, Ayana is a very strong confident woman uh, with a very healthy sex drive and uh, who's very aware of her own sexuality and her own sexual appeal and you know you see those people um, I don't want to say all the time because uh, those those people are a rare breed period um, but you see people owning their sexuality uh, no matter what group they belong to. And uh, I, I feel that those people exist and need to be celebrated just as much as anybody else. Well, what I found about this series with, with that uh, aspect of it is, you know, a, nowadays a lot of people are, are trying to include that into their stories because it is, you know, hasn't been done in so many years and needs right. to be represented. But I find mm -hmm. a lot of the times, especially in like books that are, are not independent books, like your Marvels and your DC, it, the the inclusion feels very very forced. Right? Yes, it just feels like we're putting this in just to have this in there. Yeah. Where in this right. story it doesn't. It, it's part of the story. It feels oh, very organic you. and natural, and and you don't have any second thoughts about it. It just it's just part of the story. Much as like oh, there's zombies parts in here, and then there's that part in there too. So right, yeah. I don't know if you'll get the reference being Canadian and all, but uh, okay. uh, this this isn't the Burger King Kids Club. Uh, which okay, is something yeah, I grew yeah. up with. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not a rainbow coalition. It's not anything else. Um, you know, the the fact of the matter is, at one point during my writing, I was challenged by an artist that I was working on, uh, working with, uh, on a scrapped uh, horror anthology, and uh, that that uh, illustrator, who's a non-binary. Um, a gender, I believe, is is how they identify. Um, basically, okay. called me out and said, you know, why are all characters in horror stories white men? And I and I said, you know what, you're you're absolutely right. I I don't know. And I went back and, being a student of horror and a student of history, um, thought to myself and 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 really started examining um, race and gender and uh, sexuality in horror and um basically it just is white straight dudes writing about white straight dudes for the most part and and so there's there's no reason that it shouldn't have everybody else but yeah i'm not marvel i'm not creating uh, one of each color of captain america's and i'm not you know making sure that there's a, a boy wolverine and a girl wolverine you know um it, which I mean, in in many cases, has yielded incredible results. But in the beginning, definitely, 
definitely does feel forced. It right. does feel like pandering and, and it feels yeah. very corporate. And um, yeah, I, I definitely didn't want that. So thank you for telling me that it doesn't feel forced. Um, oh, it doesn't feel that, like I said, it feels organic. Like it just feels mm-hmm. like it's just two people who meet at the party and start making out. It doesn't right. feel like it, you know, it, the story is already going on. Then all of a sudden like, oh, we're going to make these two people gay. You know, mm-hmm. and then continue on the story. Like it, it's there from it's the beginning. Not, it's not quite as abrupt as like right now. Uh, Superman's son. All of a sudden, right. he's gay now, and it's this yeah. huge thing. Or like you had mentioned, every color of whatever of Captain America, mm-hmm. and there's a, a gay. I think he's Latino Captain America now too. Right. Yeah. And it's just they feel really forced, like you said, just corporate. Although I do want to go on record here and okay. say that I think Sam Wilson as Captain America is the greatest decision Marvel ever made. And yeah. the worst decision that they ever made was pulling the rug out from under him and reinstating Steve Rogers as a Captain America. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, the mantle should have been handed over. He's much cooler. His costume's better. It makes sense within the continuity. And sure. the people that are uh, into this idea of like legacy for legacy's sake, um, go back and read back issues man like uh, (laughs) characters need to be updated and and the sam wilson as this sort of um polarizing character was just like uh, i thought really really smart and i think it was nick spencer who was uh writing him best Uh, i i thought that that was really cool um but yeah going going back to that yeah absolutely uh um we we just wanted it to be a statement of fact and uh going back to our roots uh black exploitation is a big part of um our sort of um mm-hmm. casserole gumbo of uh, uh uh inspirations and so i i was thinking of a strong pam greer type lead uh for ayana um, yeah, you know, sure. obviously there's differences, but, you know, uh, Foxy Brown and, and all of her uh, uh, jail movies and arena and everything else. She's just this cool, strong, confident woman who knows that she's the hottest thing on earth. And uh, I, I like that. The uh, the woman that plays um, Misty Knight in the Netflix series is, is a woman, mm-hmm. I think, like that. Uh, she, you know, I don't remember her name, but. You know what I'm talking about? I guess you don't remember. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so, I was trying to think, but I can't remember her name. That's okay. So we know the, the book is five slash six issues. This mm-hmm. six series actually had an ash can, which is you know, pretty rare for, for an independent nowadays. Uh, what, what, what was the idea behind the ash can? Was that more of you wanted the ash can or, or Black Caravan wanted the ash can or or was it more of a, a marketing thing? Or And not only yeah. being rare, it was the first ash can in quite a while since COVID had started as well. For sure. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, uh, honestly, it was a Black Caravan thing. Um, they had talked about wanting to do ash cans of all their books. And uh, being a child of the 90s and having my Wizard Magazine collection at home and uh, my... Uh, actually, I think I have two different versions of the X Men 2099 ash can. Um, oh. Like, a, I have a blue foil and I have a red foil. Okay. And uh, never yeah, red. yeah, yeah. They um, actually, I think I got to get things from another world, which um, 
as a kid was one of my shops and uh, turned out to be one of our 19 exclusive partners for issue one. So I oh, thought wow. that was pretty rad uh, coming and, full and, circle and like that. That was going to be a question we'll get to as well as about your covers and that. Sure. But, yeah. Uh, um, while we're talking about the issues and that, do you have a favorite issue that you have written so far? What, no uh, yeah, actually to, to be perfectly honest, I think my favorite issue is issue two. Um, and, and while it's, a little light on the blood and gore it still exists folks um it does contain that the actually i was reading it uh earlier today just because I, I was talking to a fellow creator uh that that i bonded with over uh la comic con issue two and just read it <laughs> <laughs> oh well I, I, metaphorically pick it up and read it it's oh, okay. still like a low-res pdf but um okay. it, it is it is all finished and uh actually is um being submitted to the publisher or sorry to the printer for uh printing this week so yeah so i'm excited to to see that all finished up um but yeah i was reading it earlier today and um it's funny it's really funny and uh i don't normally laugh at my own stuff uh but i i laugh at issue two and uh on top of that it's a really touching it really deepens the bond between ayana and violet um there's really cool horror in it it's got the greatest horror splash page in comics uh Ooh. yeah yeah I, I know i just kind of dropped that in uh yeah. any anybody watching this right now there is one of the all-time greatest horror splash pages in all of comics history in this book and okay, that's not well, an exaggeration. When the, book comes out, when the book comes out, we will we will you know, display this page and we will put up a poll and we'll see how many people agree with that. So. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I, I don't think apart from people that are just being trolls, you're going to have many dissenters on it. Um, it's kind of it's kind of got everything that you want from a horror book on this page and uh, just, you know, how it gets set up and how it resolves is is very cool. I think. And um That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, we haven't even gotten to like the real blood and guts part, which I think is cool. Um, but yeah, issue two is by far my favorite, I, I wanna say. But I will say that Theo believes that issue three is our masterpiece. And that's no. an issue that goes flashback and it's mostly right. civil war era imagery. And it's an explanation of um all the different swamp dogs it's an introduction to each one of them and their personalities and everything and sort of how they came to be in the situation that they're in now and i could be wrong but is that not the issue where the the major bad guys introduced type of thing like the, the villain that we're all meant to hate or oh you're you're meant to hate every villain in this oh, book okay, uh, yeah but... Yeah, so, uh, but yes, so the idea behind the Swamp Dogs, and you're going to find this out as time goes on, but basically they are the Civil War soldiers from the very beginning of issue one. Uh, there's a total of 12 of them. They are the worst human beings imaginable. Uh, they were awful even by 1860 standards, even by Confederate standards. Um, they were ruthless, and they were the worst of the worst. And so they're, they're hired as, uh, or commissioned as raiders uh, for General Lee uh, to, to block um, shipment supply, or supply shipments down the Mississippi and sabotage. So uh, it's, it's people that have no qualms about 
about killing women and children, have no qualms about raping and pillaging just to like further the terror. They're they're terrorists, uh, for mm. for better lack of a word. And so, um, yes, you are supposed to hate them, but there are other dark forces lurking in the Swamp Dogs universe, and you do get sort of an an inkling of what sinister forces are going on in issue three, also. Crazy. Yeah. So no, no, we've you've mentioned Theo in that a few times, and he is like your co-writer in that. Did mm-hmm. you guys were did you guys get together because of this book? Or were you friends before and came with the idea all along together? Or, or like I said, did you guys come together because of the project needed two writers? Or, or how did that establish? Yeah, that was my uh, next question too, was asking oh, okay. about the team behind Swamp Dog. So yeah, yeah. My mind. <laughs> all right, yeah, yeah. The birds of a feather, huh? Um, so. <laughs> so um actually Theo and I met because of Screen Rant. Um, he was a writer at the same time I was a writer, and I was noticing his uh, articles and lists and how the content really sort of spoke to me. Uh, I could tell that he knew his stuff as far as like cult films and horror films go. And so we started following one another on Twitter. And then I found out who is into the same heavy music that I am. And uh, as a matter of fact, he lives over in Greece. He was curating a heavy metal music festival um, that was headlined by one of my favorite stoner metal bands um, over in Greece. And so we bonded over the movies and then the music and then the mutual working on listicles at the same time. And then uh, it turned out that he had an image book come out, uh, which is like a real anomaly as far as image comics goes, because it's not a comic book. Um, It's a little coffee table book that you would get at like a gift shop for a friend or something uh, called the uh, Doomsters Monolithic Pocket Alphabet. And Yeah, it rolls off the tongue. Yeah, exactly. I I, I've gotten really good at saying it without like hesitating, haven't I? Uh, You practice in front of the mirror a bit, I can tell. (laughs) I do. Yeah, instead of doing like all those uh, vocal exercises that actors do, like the quick brown fox. Yeah, 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 I I just do the Doomsters monolithic pocket alphabet. The Doomsters (laughs) monolithic pocket alphabet. The Doomsters monolithic (laughs) pocket alphabet. so yeah, so uh, he he wrote that, and uh, when I was like, oh crap, this guy has a contact at Image Comics. I have this idea. We like the same stuff. Let's start working together. And so I told them about my idea for Swamp Dogs, which uh, honestly was a, a very very rudimentary uh, version of what it is that we have now. Like I said, it was much more an adaptation of the movie at the time. Um, right you know, we decided to start working together on this. And that was a lot of years ago at this point. And that was uh, two publishers ago. You've, uh, this project's been in the works for like 10 years now, right? Yeah, I, you know, I want to say that I started dreaming this up and had the name Swamp Dogs in my head and had the Civil War undead with cool facial hair uh, back in 2008 or 2009. So it's it's been uh, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. Yeah. And um, yeah, so we, we only really started working in earnest on the book and scripting it and everything uh, maybe about 10 years ago, uh, uh, give or take. And then um, we actually had started with a friend of his who's a very talented artist in Greece named Anthony Galatis. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right, as our original illustrator. And our timelines didn't match up 
but originally we were with a different publisher with this original illustrator. And when we brought Cooper on board was when we went and sought out Black Caravan. And, and that's my next question. So we know it's with Black Caravan, but which is an imprint of Scout. Mm-hmm. How how did that all happen? Like, did you guys approach Scout first? Did Black Caravan approach you because they they have a, a horror feel to it? Did you guys shop other places first and didn't get in? What's your right. story on that? Yeah, so there there was a bit of a logjam as far as properties that overlapped a little bit too much over at Image, and so that's why the Image thing didn't happen, as far as I know. Uh, image puts out a those... lot of books, like monthly. Like it, it's yeah. easy to get lost there. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, they at at the same time they had stray dogs in development, and stray dogs and swamp dogs is a little similar. And then they have a horror civil war book called Two Moons that also was coming out around the same time. So uh, um, I read both those books. Uh, Two Moons is quite enjoyable. Yeah, I, actually, it's uh, next on my list to start reading after uh, I'm finishing up Uzumaki by uh, Junji Ito right now. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, which is awesome. If you guys haven't read it, that's that's really cool. Um, I've not read that one. Okay, it's I, I mean it's it's pretty sick though. Uh, Junji okay, Ito is Junji Ito is probably the one of the top five darkest minds I've ever uh, read anything by, and oh, wow. uh, that's that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, yeah, so we did try Image first. Um, but Scout was on sort of that next wave of uh, submissions that we sent out. And at the time, we didn't know about Black Caravan. We just knew that Scout had put out some very interesting horror books and that they were a publisher very much on the rise and seemed to be headed in the direction that we liked. We we like up and coming. We don't like uh, stagnant and we don't like the people in decline and so uh, they just seemed to be headed in the right direction they were getting development deals which i also like the idea of and uh so we went with them and we got reached out to by uh rich uh woodall and joe schmalky uh the co-publishers of black caravan and they basically informed us like hey you know the scout has this horror imprint that's coming out in october and that was october 2019 i think at the time and um they they had told us uh that they love our book and almost wanted to sign us based on the cover alone uh but that they loved the interior and that they loved our pitch uh which we've actually shared a few pages of on social media um they said it's the coolest most professional pitch they've ever seen and uh they they just um saw a lot of potential in it they they are pretty convinced that it's going to be picked up for a movie or a tv show or something uh they like the merchandise uh, aspect of it and um yeah. they they're big supporters and believers in the book so joe schmelke is one of the one of the runners of black caravan because i didn't realize that and we we review like a lot of black caravan books and scale books mm-hmm. and that and you know he's had you know quite a few up there joe schmelke and i had no idea that he actually is one of the the runners of it yeah yeah it's um oh, okay. done, done by rich and joe uh who i believe collaborate specifically on the electric black is their book together well um, I, I think he does we don't kill spiders as well which yeah is joe joe, joe does we don't kill spiders and he also does cherry blackbird yeah, uh, which are both black caravan books yeah. and uh rich also has a uh, gods of brutality which is a, oh, a black caravan book 
Yeah. Those are all my favorites, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, during during the meeting before they signed us, they said, you know, basically Swamp Dogs is everything that we put together an imprint to publish. Like that's mm-hmm. what we believe in. We're big horror fans ourselves. We're creators in horror. We love this like sort of like drive-in aesthetic that you guys have going for yourselves and uh so they were just really excited to put out our book and uh it was sort of their their faith and their enthusiasm that put them over the top as opposed to a couple other publishers that we were looking at so um with with the series going forward mm-hmm. it with the series going forward now is it going to be the same creative team throughout with the spin-offs and that too like will both you and Theo be writing and have the same artists or it'll be just one of you will tackle one one will do the other or artist team yeah. will change up or that's a really good question. Um, you know, uh, the creative team is a very busy one. Uh, on down to the letterer, Steve Wands, who does more books in a year than I can count and definitely more than I can read. Uh, so uh, as far as creative teams go, I, I love working with everybody, but I don't know, honestly, okay. beyond these five issues. Um, okay. I would love to work with everybody uh, again in some capacity. Uh, I don't know if it'll be on Swamp Dogs. I don't know if it'll be some or all of the team on the two different series. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be writing both of the ongoing series myself. So uh, okay. that's kind of the cool thing about like having a very accomplished team that's uh, very capable is, you know, maybe we can divide up the divide and conquer, essentially. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that kind of leads into my next question too. So, uh, this is your first you know, book writing that you've had published for comics, and with them, do you have an exclusive deal for writing just with them, or are you allowed to do other books? And do you have other ideas already in thought? Right. Yeah. Well, um, I think my strongest talent uh, isn't isn't so much storytelling, and it isn't so much writing as much it is as it is like ideas. And um, so I just have like 200 ideas just in a document just sitting there waiting a bunch of unfinished stories a bunch of like started stories aborted stories um all kinds of stuff uh i do have a few pitches in with a few different publishers right now i don't have an exclusive deal with black caravan but if the money is right and black caravan's interested i'm listening and willing to hear out a some sort of an exclusive deal um but yeah i've i've been in talks with other publishers and everything and um i i this definitely isn't the last that you've heard of me uh it's it's only the beginning and you know I, I make mention of that in my interviews and stuff is uh, I, I firmly believe that horror is not going to be the same after the Swamp Dogs. And that's not just talking about the property itself, which I think will become iconic in its own right, but also because people now know who I am and they're going to want to hear more from me. And I, I think that they're going to be happy with what they hear. Cool. And, and we, we keep, as the interview has been going on, we keep switching covers, and, and you've kind of alluded it to it well. Uh, this being a number one, had 19 exclusive covers. That's a lot of covers, especially for a brand new book. Did you get to have input on any of those covers? And uh, what did you think of that uh, Hugh Rockwood, Nat Daddy cover there? So Yeah, yeah. well, uh, first <laughs> off, I love the Hugh uh, cover. Um, the, the one that you guys shared with, um, big country comics is, yep. uh, definitely one of my favorites. And it's one that's gotten some of the most positive feedback from the people that I know, um, just oh, the nice. perspective of, 
coming from the inside of a zombie's mouth or an undead uh, monster's mouth is is just really cool. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to somebody at uh, LA Comic Con just this past weekend about it. They brought that one up specifically, and they said um, that they were convinced that there was a Punisher story that Garth Ennis had written that was the influence behind the cover. And Ooh. I said, you know, I'm not too sure about that. And and actually, I'm scratching my head because he was saying that there was a Punisher story that happened from the perspective of inside of a tortured person's mouth. And I can't for the life of me remember that. It doesn't sound far off. It doesn't sound outside of what Garth Ennis is capable of and, and would no. think to do uh, no. by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but by the same token, I, I just don't remember it, except that I remember his entire run on Punisher being uh, amazing and a Me gold too. standard. Me too. Um, yeah. yeah. So, um, but, but basically this fan had said, well, obviously, you know, Punisher or not, this cover artist knew what he was doing and I just love it. And it, it's so cool to, to have that perspective. And I agree. And, and I think that's why it's one of my favorite out of the, the 19, you know, it's a little bit like having children. You don't want to pick a favorite. You can't pick a favorite, um, but it's definitely up there. And it's one that I keep finding myself coming back to again, and again. So, uh, Hell, if um, you got 19 children, you're lucky if you remember their names. Never have, have, have a favorite. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my, <laughs> My grandfather, I think, was like one of 11, and he had stories about um, the dad just not being able to like tell them apart and no. getting lazy with naming them after a little while. And so, um, yeah, it's 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 not tough for me to tell them apart, definitely, because uh, what I think is really interesting and special about the book is every single cover is different. Every artist brought something new to it. Every artist did something very different with the source material. And you can see what it is that grabbed them about the story. Um, you can see what it is that uh, interested them as far as uh, perspective goes and how they viewed it, uh, whether they view it more as a love story or more as a horror thing or more as a zombie book. You can even tell that maybe a couple artists didn't really read the book all that well. Um, <laughs> but, but... <laughs> Uh, I, you I know, think I they, can think of the cover even. I know, year. I know about when you're yeah. referring to as well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, um, basically everybody added something to the book, and uh, I, I really appreciate that about the book itself. And um, it, it's an honor and it's humbling to see so many people have different perspectives and different interpretations of my creation. Um, you know, it's it's so cool to see uh, my characters, you know, get drawn up a, a dozen different ways. And yeah. I can't wait for that to continue um, to the point where Theo and I, even in, in the beginning, we had talked about doing an art book, uh, like the art of the world of the Swamp Dogs. And oh, yeah. Um, yeah, like a sketchbook this, type of thing. Yeah, well, you know, like um, w one of my passions outside of storytelling and comics and everything is uh, lowbrow art. Uh, pop surrealism. I, I know people don't like the term lowbrow, um, but basically I follow a, a ton of really interesting, fascinating artists on Instagram and Twitter, and I would just love to see them work inside of the world that I create and handle the monsters that I'm creating and uh, sort of give them a different out outlet for uh, their creative works. And so with 19 different 
covers and 19 different artists, we have a pretty goddamn good head start on uh, making making an art book uh, about the world of the Swamp Dogs. So at some point, we are going to probably send that to a crowdfunding site and, and try and get that in the works. I've been in discussions with several artists that I love that I just simply couldn't afford uh, to do a cover for us. Um, and and they're totally on board with this and are looking to contribute to the crowdfunding and um, get get their own uh, piece of Swamp Dogs lore in there. That's awesome. Now, yeah. uh, I have one more question, and then we'll sure. let Tyler have a question or two because it's part of his show as well. And, and, uh, yeah, and I've, we'll, been, I've been pretty quiet and tonight. We'll, and but... we'll try not to take up too much more of your time, but I know yeah, with you, you, you living in California and the LA area and know your connections to the Hollywood industry and that before with your, your writing and that, hmm. uh, has there, has there been people sniffing around Swamp Dogs already? Like I know every day at, at Comic World is option this, option that. I, I've, right. Have you guys had some... What scout does or what scout has is is really sort of an interesting setup where they actually have an agency representing them as far as intellectual properties go and that's a mosaic group if i'm not mistaken and so that's why you're seeing a lot of development deals coming out of uh, scout comics including just recently and congratulations to jonathan hedrick and the team uh but the recount is being made as a movie um, yeah, we just saw that tonight. We, we've seen that tonight, and, and again, we we follow a different podcast called Lords of the Long Box, and and we've mm-hmm. had your books on there featured in that. Oh, cool! Um, and they've uh, they they and I do a lot of speculations and stuff, and they and actually had heard that about five or six months ago. And oh, I had okay. Read, I, I had read that book when it first came out, and yeah, they did announce that again tonight. So, yeah, that's a great series. Yeah, no, no, it's a very, very. I I've only read the first issue, but it's a very gripping first issue um so uh yeah there have been sniffs um we haven't heard anything definitive uh, just yet and um i can't really divulge details or anything but let's say that uh there might be some sort of a video game tie-in at some point maybe uh, if if the stars align the right way um and i i really can't say more than that but that's okay. uh, that, that's that should awesome. be that should be juicy enough for for mm-hmm. uh, your mm-hmm. viewers. Um, but yeah, we we fully expect this to um, get the treatment. That's not why we set out to write this in the first place, despite it starting out as a movie idea uh, in its infancy. Um, right. But I do think it would make a terrific uh, uh, movie, specifically, um, or. Uh, what is it the electric black was picked up by starburns industries uh mm-hmm. to uh become an animated horror f- uh, series and yeah. i could really see swamp dogs because there's going to be some stuff that's going to be really tough to pull off with traditional horror movie effects even practical effects and uh so i could see it becoming uh an animated uh series at some point too and, and like, that's um, another series that i like as well as that uh electric black uh, oh yeah no I've, electric we, I, i've read cool. both series tyler's only read the the latest one the uh prequel part yeah uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and again i love that whole idea too so um yeah, yeah I, I hope it goes you no know, either way either live action animation i, I think that it, it could even be done even as like an audible type of thing you know like oh totally yeah no 100 percent. you know um my my storytelling is very dialogue driven I love the interactions between characters. Um, I, I love 
Well, I, I also love visual storytelling, and that's one of my favorite things in comics, and that's like a heavy Japanese influence is wordless storytelling. I love that. And uh, actually, one of the biggest influences for my book is Cullen Bunn's The Sixth Gun, uh, yeah. which is a Weird West series. Um, well, I think we cover almost all of Cullen Bunn's books on our show. Oh, okay. One, so yeah, I, yeah. yeah I, I love him, and, and specifically that book uh, really touched me and uh, made me want to do a weird Western of my own. Uh, so look out for that in terms of uh, my ideas coming up. Uh, cool. But, yeah, uh, but um, there was one issue of The Sixth Gun that was told almost completely wordlessly, or maybe it was completely wordlessly. It was like a snowbound issue. It involved the Wendigo, and um, it was fantastic uh so i i do like wordless storytelling but i i am dialogue driven and so yeah like an audible or or something like that an audio podcast of some sort would be cool too um but really i i just want to see moving blood and guts uh from the book <laughs> and 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 i i i want to see what people look like as my characters uh Right, you know, because there are several real-world influences for these characters as far as the look goes, um, and uh, I just want to see how they get cast and everything would be pretty cool. That is cool. Um, on our cover in particular, um, one of the characters there looks a lot like a friend of mine. Um, oh, is that right? We had her, we had her pose through the same little ah, and it it was almost identical. Very it was close. it was pretty funny. Yeah. yeah. Hey, uh, um, what what is it? White Ash had a cosplay cover uh, for for one of their issues. I am oh. totally on board with there being a cosplay cover for Swamp Dogs. So I, if I your friend feels like modeling, it, she wasn't down. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let old JM talk to her, and I, I can be pretty persuasive. Hey, that's true. That's true. Uh, I have a little bit of a sad question for you, just because it's you know kind of comic book, you know community related sure yeah. um uh you know uh george perez you know made his announcement today there that is uh his, his sickness has uh kind of you know become terminal and he has you no know, six months to a year to live in that and i'm just wondering on, on how that impacted you because I, if you're anything like us you know tyler's quite young and i'm closer to your age George Perez has affected a lot of us. He's, uh, you know, a legend in the business. So. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Um, uh, growing up, he was doing uh, Avengers. Uh, mm -hmm. Is is what I remember him doing uh, best of all. And and actually, like the iteration of the Avengers that I like the best. Um, you know, is sort of what I refer to as their golden period. Um, the news the news about anybody uh who who comes to terms with something terminal is uh, heartbreaking uh but based on a statement it sounds like he's in a good place about it um which is really important there have been people in my life uh that have been given sort of a countdown clock and i've been very close to them during that period and, and um it's it's a really unfortunate thing because you do know that the, your time has to end at some point um but in a way and this is sort of what i got out of his statement is he is allowing that to sort of open his eyes to what's left and and what he's capable of and um he's he's allowing himself to sort of bask in uh his final days however long that may be and i i know in his statement he mentioned you know this might be his last holidays or very well could be his last holidays um 
and you know i i just want to say on the off chance that he's listening or somebody uh that knows him is listening that um positivity really does help uh the the people that have been closest to me that were terminal uh actually my uncle was given four to six months and lived another three years uh two and a half of which were in very good health uh with uh, most of his faculties and this was um a brain cancer so it was uh very rough on his uh comprehension and his uh, ability to communicate towards the end um but uh, you know those those first two and a half years he was able to spend with his grandkids and with his nieces and nephews and so i just want to say you know um don't let the doctors put a timeline on you you know, uh, there is an inevitability to things, um, but a lot of it, even without treatments, even without chemos and everything, um, a lot of it has to do on uh, your your uh, point of view and, and your level of positivity about everything. Uh, but yeah, I, get those awesome. get those bucket list things done, George. Uh, I'm supporting you and uh, I, I hope that you get to experience everything that you want to. Too. Did you ever get to meet him? Have you met him at all? Or? I never had the pleasure, no. And it sounds like because he's doing one final public appearance, I'm not going to have the opportunity to. But, um, you know, that's not to say that he hasn't been a, a big influence in his own right. And uh, one of the reasons that I'm working in comics today, because, uh, you know, with without those foundational moments, young JM as a kid, uh, you know, admiring the, the panels, um, I, I wouldn't be doing this. I think so. There, there wouldn't be that no HBO Max or it used to be on Netflix. I think it still is Titans, you know, mm-hmm. he, ma- he made the Teen Titans, you know, like yeah, it, it, it's very sad. I, I, we, we all feel horrible, but at the same time, I, I feel like you did. At least he is uh, looking at it positively and spending as much time as he can doing what he wants with the, with those who he loves. So right. we all wish him well. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, on a less somber note, yeah, I think we, we kept you <laughs> are, for are you quite sure a you while don't tonight. To... <laughs> um, is there anything you wanted to let people know about, whether it's Swamp Dogs related or whatever? Usually at the end of our show, we do a little part that's like called Nat's Rant, and it's usually yeah. what's plaguing your mind or something in the yeah. you know in the comics community, whatever. So this this is your. Uh, your, your open channel rant. and and let let people know where they can reach you at yeah well. sure do all your shameless yeah, plugs course. everything Okay, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be totally shameless about it. Um, as far as <laughs> ranting goes, I've done a lot of ranting today, so I, I think I'm okay as okay. far as that's concerned. And then uh, creatively, uh, I, I am working on several different things. I mentioned I have a few pitches into different publishers and stuff, uh, but I am also a hard on short stories, horror short stories, that um, I'm really looking forward to get published very soon. So uh, be on the lookout for those. Uh, can't really point to any specific deals just yet, uh, but uh, they, they're in the works. As far as where to follow us and, and what to do and uh, how to go about things, uh, number one, pre-order, uh, sorry, number one, buy the Hugh Rookwood variant from Nat Daddy Collectibles. Right, it's Nat Daddy and not Nat Daddy's collectibles. No, it, yeah, Nat Daddy collectibles. You got it right. Okay, yeah. I got it right. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, buy it. Buy five copies of it while you're <laughs> at it. 
it's a very limited edition of a very cool cover that apparently may or may not be Garth Ennis Punisher related. And uh, so, um, yeah, just uh, do it. Um, Nat Daddy has been great to me. So I, I really appreciate the support and the fact that you believed in me enough to be your first variant cover uh, means a lot to me. Uh, number two, go ahead and go to your local comic shop and pre-order issue two. Uh, yeah. Final order cutoff is next week, if I'm not mistaken. It might be like the 14th, 12th, or 14th of I December. Believe you're correct. I believe yeah. You're correct. Uh, I believe the diamond code is NOV211659. Uh, oh, if, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm doing my best. I've written it out. I'm so gonna write that down. We're gonna put times. that in the, the comments after. So what, okay, what was that yeah. number again? I, I believe it is NOV two one one six five nine. And if I'm wrong, somebody else is getting a bunch of pre orders. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I'm pretty sure that's the to one. Go to, uh, 204 comics that's our local comics uh store that we partner oh, yeah. with over here so okay. uh yeah. bring ashley that exact code because i want to hear what his <laughs> response is next time i go in <laughs> yeah sure and i i wish i knew the lunar code but i don't like i'm so diamond centric it's ridiculous i don't know why um that's but, okay because I we don't have lunar in Canada, I don't no. believe. So. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Well, th yeah. there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So pre-order issue two. It's going to be a gas. It's going to be everything that a horror uh, fan loves. So uh, do that. Um, go to swampdogscomic.com, and uh, you can get some of the other exclusive variants that are out there. Uh, you can get them signed by me and shipped by me uh, with love and tenderness and. Uh, a whole lot of enthusiasm and uh, there's also free goodies in it for people that order uh, stickers bookmarks all that kind of good Ooh, stuff nice. yeah i know uh and uh there are still ash cans available too uh through that so um definitely hit that up uh you can also find all of our socials on there uh, because i haven't memorized everybody's but if you like me specifically you can go to twitter and it's at mrjmbrandt that's mr jm brandt or at on instagram at j.m.brandt uh and uh i'm on facebook too even though i don't post all that often right How's that for shameless? Is that shameless enough? No, Just the right amount. Yeah. <laughs> you have a script written down? Usually you've got a script written down with all the things to say. That's, I, that, that felt super fluent. Your memory's only <laughs> as good as uh, until you've done that list and you realize you missed half the stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, I, I've smoked and drank away a, a ton of brain cells over the years. And, uh, <laughs> and, and Tyler's and, seen me do the same. So, yeah. So. Yeah, and, and my memory is is rough. But for some reason, the, the whole... So Social thing sticks with me, which I'm thankful for. Um, the the other thing that I want to shout out for any of your fans that are in the Los Angeles area is I will have my first uh, table uh, at a con for myself. Uh, that is the weekend of December 17th through the 19th in Pasadena at the Convention Center uh, Ooh, for nice. a horror convention called Season Screamings. Oh, very cool. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, it's uh, the, the people that put on a convention out here called Midsummer Scream, which is really fun. Uh, they do like a whole hall full of haunts, uh, which are really awesome. And then, um, you know, just the the atmosphere is amazing. So I'm really looking forward to the season screamings, especially the Krampus parade that they're going to have through the whole thing. So that, that sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, it'll be good. And, um, you know, I'll be there. So added bonus, right? 
<laughs> well, hopefully in the new year, maybe we can get you up here at some point too, or one of the Canadian conventions. You can get up there and we can meet you up there or something. That because that'd be cool too. I would love to uh, be up there. You just might not be able to get rid of me. I might be oh, one okay. of those people that just stays in Canada. Yeah, hey, there's I, room. I, I just hope you like the cold. It's yeah, I, I think minus twenty over here the last few days. They don't. Know. Oh my that, god, that, that's Canadian minus twenty. Yeah, yeah, they don't know. Which is even even worse than yeah. minus twenty Fahrenheit, right? Okay, that's yeah, that sounds pretty rough. But I like the idea of adding layers. Uh, you can't take them off. And granted, it's been really nice in here in LA this past week. Uh, but uh, I don't like the heat. So I'd much rather be up north, and okay. I've been told I have a Canadian temperament. And uh, you do I, I, I would say, yeah, I would yeah, say, yeah. <laughs> thank you. And uh, somebody also once confused my accent for Canadian, and was convinced I came from Vancouver. Well, uh, I don't hear an accent <laughs> on you, so maybe you sound Canadian. So do we? Do, when we talk to you, do we have an accent? Uh, say about. A boot. About. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, actually, I, I think when we were setting up the call, I heard a, a twinge with just a couple words, but uh, overall, no, um, oh, definitely okay. not. Uh, but a, a lot of my friends, because I come from the San Fernando Valley, home of the Valley Girl, uh, yes, yes. Uh, uh, plenty of people have an accent that is similar to that. Uh, it's not quite as bad as the Frank Zappa song made it out to be, but uh, it, it does exist. Uh, there, there are Valley boys and Valley girls, and uh, that that accent is prevalent in the people that I know and grew up with. And yeah. I, I don't think I've ever had that, but I do say like an awful lot when I'm not on an interview and doing my best not to um and like my way through everything. Uh, actually, that's one of the things I've been trying not to do, and I mentioned that to Tyler a few weeks ago. I say uh, and stuff like that mm -hmm. almost every sentence so mm -hmm. oh okay I, I, do, I do my best not to do that now so no it takes a... now so. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good yeah right. any anything to get plastered right <laughs> <laughs> yes yes all right tyler you end this and, and jm you hang on for a second we'll finish up once tyler's done sure of course well, yeah so that's that's been jm brant uh one of the co-writers of swamp dogs um Thanks for coming on, and Thanks thank for you me. for uh, creating an awesome series. We look forward to the rest and all the special projects that may or may not be coming in the future. <laughs>